You are now listening to a new episode of Canadian Growers, hosted by Matt and Tiffany Whitney. Hey gardeners, on today's episode we have Sharon with us from Gardening with Sharon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, it's great to have me. <laughs> thanks, thanks for letting me be here. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I've been uh, looking forward to this for a while. Um, I want to mention something too, um, sh- uh, Sharon. We found each other on Instagram. Um, I, I followed her content, and what drew me to you is that um, your content is relevant to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, where I live, well, Shore Park. But it's it's in that zone three A B mm-hmm. kind of situation. So when I, you know, when you're trying to learn and um, intake or uh, take someone's no- or knowledge that they're trying to pass through the internet or through Instagram. Um, you, you're trying to compute it and then you're trying to make it practical. And I found that your content was beautiful in that sense. It was very uh, um, concise and to the point. And um, then I, I, I messaged you and we, uh, I think we got to chatting and I think I, we came to your, your, your property. No, you invited me to your party. That's what it was. That's what it was. It was your second. Was it your second birthday party for Matt? Yeah. Three PD. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it It was. was. I was trying to. Yeah. Thank you for that. No, thank you for that invitation. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, because yeah. we wanted to meet in person instead of just on Instagram. Yeah, it was, it was a garden party. I think what we called it, beef, bun, and beers. Um, yeah, it was a good party. Yeah, <laughs> we invited all the gardeners and people um, that you know inspired us and that we wanted to connect and have um, them connect with other like-minded individuals. So right. it, was, it was a great shaker. It was fun to be able. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was kind of the heart of COVID too. We we kept everything legit. We, it was uh, we were following the rules at the at the, at the time. We were allowed to have the outdoor little party, a little shindig. It was um, ab- right. above yeah. above board. Above board. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um. So with my background as um, a greenhouse kid and greenhouse owner in this Edmonton area, what I came to find out is that people like I was a uh, a perennial grower, greenhouse owner, and um, our greenhouse also grew annuals. But what I found is that people were hungry for knowledge. Mm. Not only do people want to buy product, but they want to know the, how to grow it. And I found that one of the greatest values I could give to people was to teach them how to take care of their hanging baskets. How do you take care of your perennials? How do you time a perennial garden? How do you um, pair annuals and perennials together? Or um, we also grew vegetable starts. So how can I best prepare people to be successful? Because if people are successful with the products they buy, then that makes them happy. And if mm-hmm. gardening doesn't have to be a ball and chain activity, more people will do it. So right. if gardening can be simple and successful. What, what more do we need? Right. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, like in touching that too, um, when you give that practical knowledge and that's what I was talking about earlier is um, that concise information for someone that, you know, Tiffany and I are not formally trained. We, try to um, learn through the community. And that's the other thing that makes gardening, I've said this so many times, what makes a gardening community so great is the 
interchangeable information that's given and, and freely given to people. You just ultimately have to ask. Like when we did connect on Instagram and I got to know you, it was, I was able to kind of feed off of that, you know, mm -hmm. ask you, ask you questions about gardening and stuff like that and be able to um, expand my horizons yeah, right. or our horizons, Tiffany and I. Yeah. So that was. Um, and in the same way, like veteran garden gardeners learn from novice gardeners as well. Like nobody has the corner on the market <laughs> of how to grow a plant. Right. And the, I think the thing I've learned the most from branching out from my greenhouse and starting gardening with Sharon to focus on the zone three, four gardening, because there's a lot of stuff out there for lower mainland BC, yes. lots of stuff out there for oh, Toronto, so but how do we talk to the prairie gardener? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so what I found, especially in the last two years going and becoming independent is that there is more than one way to grow a plant yes. and nobody has the corner on the market. And once you know that or realize that, then again, like you say, Matt, it's like a complete community project and we can all learn from each other. Yeah, it actually yeah. gives me goosebumps. Like, so we can all learn from each other and it's, and it's, grow. and grow yeah. and grow. And not only do we grow plants, sometimes we end up learning about a whole bunch of other things. Like yes. how do you, grow little children or let me tell you about the gardening sensory bin i just made the other day for my you know for my little for my little grandson who's like three and a half years old or see gardening i think is provide the foundation for us and then we can actually grow food and grow lives and you know have a life-giving yeah. have a life-giving thing happening i'm curious you mentioned something and i want to circle back to that sensory bin what do you mean by that like smells shapes like what is what, yeah. what exactly is that okay so sensory yeah, bins cool. are yeah. like okay so i wish i had that <laughs> <laughs> i wish i knew about this when like my kids were yeah. little. but um sensory bins are like little activity or big activity bins like the sky is the limit where um, you just input things for children to play in. So, um, rice is a big one yeah. and I dye rice depending on if like, if I'm making a Valentine sensory bin, then I dye rice red and pink <laughs> yeah. and, okay. and, there's a, and then it's, it's an, it's an opportunity to do scooping and pouring and just using your yeah, hands, using your hands. Yeah. Your hands. Yeah. Exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. So I made, I'm actually doing some kindergarten field trips next week and I had a garden sensory bin, but it's like, I need to beef this thing up. Yeah. And so my grandson was helping with that. And in that bin I've dyed rice, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's edible, like the rice is edible, but um, I've dyed rice, different colors of soil, right? Different oh, shades cool. of black and brown and grays and stuff. So this bin is full, but in there i have like clay pots i have you know scoops mm -hmm. and flowers and i even found like fake earthworms and oh, ants things cool. that you'll find in soil. and then for the kindergarten class actually i made a a scavenger hunt so there's nine like there's nine boxes that need to be filled right on, on this piece of paper so it's like oh can you find an ant so you have to oh, dig cool. in there oh, to find an so ant cool. and then while we're talking while while they're in there though we can talk about the role ants and earthworms play in soil and then with the plants and stuff you know it's like okay where's the stem where are the leaves what's the flower how does that work oh look there's a ladybug in there too mm -hmm. what do ladybugs do so you can make sensory bins as complex or as simple 
things you want. Gotcha. And, and you don't always have to use rice. There's many other yeah. kinds of beans. Gotcha. And you can put trucks in there and stuff. But like yeah, so many things you can do. Yeah. Very cool. It's a good way to get kindergartens interested in it too. Yeah. And yeah. be outside and be able to um, have a nature based um, activity or an yeah. outdoor. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I guess should we segue into another topic? <laughs> I, yeah, I like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Actually, uh, your dad's garden. I, that was another thing that drew me. And I, I would like to bring that up is like, we had brought up that there's different ways, approaches. For example, Tiffany and I, we've done raised planter boxes. Charlie, your dad, mm -hmm. yeah. he's a tr traditionalist. Would that be he the is, correct? You could, you could, yeah. You say that, you yeah. Could say that, so, yeah. like, but his his approach is he's got a. It looks like to be a very well oiled machine. He's got his approach to it. Um, could we touch on that a little bit? Just like your your dad's garden. I just think sure. that'd be fun. So my dad, Charlie. Um, for him, vegetables is his love language. Like he loves to grow and he probably has chlorophyll going through his veins, <laughs> just like he passed on to me. You know what he is? He's a, he's a great greenhouse grower as well, but I honestly think um, his deep, he, and he loves to grow a beautiful plant, but I think his deep passion is vegetable gardening. Um, he takes care of ornamental flowers all during the winter and when and it's like, well, why do I want to take care of them all summer? We're going to have a vegetable garden. <laughs> yeah, gotcha, so, and he loves to share his vegetables. Anyways, so he does. He, he's, a he's a traditional gardener, um, went to the Vermilion School of Agriculture. And um, so he does. He does. He, he, takes, he does till his garden. And some people go, yeah, no till. That's like tilling is just the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. And as... He's approaching 91 this summer. I'm going to give him a buy on that. I'm going to give him a pass. And he does till his garden. But what one thing he does do is he does put everything back into it. Like when, when he is taking his corn down in the fall, it goes through a mulcher. Okay. And um, the only thing he doesn't leave in the garden are potato leaves and or the tomato plants okay. just because of the blights associated with those okay. and he puts those in another area and lets them die back naturally but he never actually digs from that portion okay so yeah, yeah. so he does and he rotates his crop throughout the year and he sits down and he does a garden plan and then when we set out the rows because <laughs> i i bend for him now he's not he can't bend that well anymore <laughs> and we'll, Hand me the stuff. He goes, okay, we're, we do, we do vegetable transplants. And yeah. he goes, okay, here, plant it. And he just hands it to me and I plant it in the rest. So when he does the rows, like we, he's strategic in how far the rows are apart because he does cultivate right. until he can't cultivate the corn anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And uh, then he does do furrows and we plant in the furrows, but the benefit of, of doing the furrows is that the water stays in the furrows and he's got a garden. That's an acre. Nice so huge. Feed a lot yeah. of people in that garden. <laughs> For sure. So, and also too, if he's doing transplants as well, when I transplant them, I do a ring around the so ring around the plant so that the water will stay in there. So he is really strategic with what he does, okay. and he loves. And his his garden is fertile. It is a beautiful fertile garden. Mm -hmm. so. How long has he been planting in that same spot and that's that that acre? Um. 
<laughs> I think since I was born. Because oh, okay. they bought that property when I was born. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Which is more than 30 years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, when we were talking about, you know, different approaches to uh, growing, I guess we should touch on this too. Monocropping yeah. is, is a sore subject um, mm-hmm. yeah. for me. I, I, I've done a little bit of research <laughs> and what I find is, I guess, approaches, right? Like, you know, your grandfather did it, so dad does it. So, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. It sometimes can become generational, yeah. right? And, yeah. and then what I, what, I, what I ask myself is like, you know, moving past that generational issue, is if there's better approach, right? It's like when you see tilling, we kind of say why why we think it's nay nay is because it kind of breaks up the soil um, structure, structure yeah. right? Yeah. So um, there's not really a question in that, but would you have anything to be able to touch on that, like with soil structure and the tilling aspect of of how we see monocropping being? Okay, so recently I'm starting to uh, do research on soil structure and soil like that. A book that I've read recently by Gabe Brown is called From Dirt to Soil, which is his family farms um, move as they have moved from, you know, different monocropping techniques and tillage. But this is on a huge scale. This is like thousand acres oh, wow. Oh, wow. so okay. uh, you know so i i don't feel like and it's it's the it's the the movement of regenerative agriculture yeah. mm-hmm. how to rebuild our soils yes. how can we use soil without using as much fertilizer and that kind of thing so to that subject i don't feel i'm educated enough to speak to that okay, but fair. you know what there is a colony in manning that has switched to regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. And there are a few farmers around here who are doing that. Mm-hmm. And those would be like amazing people for us to talk for to. Sure. Yeah. But as far as, um, so as I understand the tillage does break down the soil structure and it messes up the bacterial yeah. and the fungal mm-hmm. colonies and things like that. But anyways, on a huge scale, I I, I don't feel qualified to comment. Fair enough. But, but for raised bed gardens, home gardeners that are doing raised bed or smaller plots, I think it's very applicable. Mm-hmm. Yes. But even as far as like my dad's one acre, I still haven't problem solved that. And to the point where I can go no tillage, la, la, la. And you know what? My dad, like I told you, he's like turning 99. He's going to be 91 this summer. And you know what? It brings him so much yeah. joy. I don't think I'm at a point where I want to, you know, and beat him over something. the head, yeah. beat him over the head yeah. when his, when he, it's really productive. And, but tillage for some people has, has become unproductive. Mm-hmm. So then yeah. it's, if it's unproductive, then how do we solve that problem? Yeah. Cover so, crops. I, I yeah. see that, that, that'd be, yeah. that'd be an interesting way is like, um, that's something in my food forest, um, that I would like to try. If, mm-hmm. Let's say I have a productive year that I put, uh, tomatoes or a vegetable garden space. The next year, I decide to let that rest for a moment mm-hmm. and just put wildflowers down. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it's not it, it gets to be um, productive, but in a different way, in a yeah. beautiful way. Maybe not in a food procurement type aspect, but in a um, just be able to uh, use that space, but allow it to rest. And, and, and it fortifies the soil. Fortify the soil. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got that root ball that's been grown with the, the you know, the wildflowers, et cetera. Yeah. And then when fall comes in, you till it in. And then next year, it can be, again, a productive 
vegetable space or it could be exactly whatever right? yeah yeah, so, yeah. Um, and too like when you have those live roots in the soil from what i was reading is that it it brings carbon the available carbon in the air and brings it into the soil so that will build up the soil um fertility and things like that too very cool well there's no right way or wrong way to do it right it's just grow just get out there and grow yeah Try, try, try some different approaches see what works for you yeah because yeah. everyone's space is a little different Deeper, their topography yeah. their their you know size of plot etc so yeah. very much so i agree yeah, yeah. And then, like we started with our garden where we would till it and it didn't really work out for us so we changed it to mm -hmm. these beds and we've had great success with that mm -hmm. so far yeah and i think there are some things that are overarching beneficial like i think things like putting in good compost, putting in good organic soil Inputs for sure. and yes. mulching. Like I am the hugest fan of mulching. <laughs> like there's nothing that I can think that's bad about mulching except using mulch that is full of herbicides yes. or pesticides mm. or something like that. But um, there's just, there are overarching things that work great and there and then if your soil is poor there's ways to build up your soil yeah. mm -hmm. for sure yeah um talk about gardening being good for the soul yes, yes. <laughs> um i i, I would <laughs> like to intro that um for myself um i speak on my approach to gardening when we got into it it was to be honest it was like a honeydew list i an experiment, <laughs> an experiment <kinda>. with like <laughs> We tried garden stuff. We tried the in-ground. Uh, Tiffany got me to build some planter boxes, and then it became kind of a team thing. Where, yeah, like once you get success from it, it's, yeah. you want to just keep going. And I never really had a hobby that interested me. Sports didn't really. That wasn't really my thing. I never found that. And like I, I have, I have my own seasonal depression and my own like things that I, I get through. I, I try to get through every year, but now I have this thing to look forward to. And quite literally, I'll say this right now, February is is like, it's funny, it's like the height of seasonal depression, but mm -hmm. that's when I'm thinking about my next year's garden. Awesome. So I'm thinking yeah, about yeah. like, how how we're gonna plan it, what we're gonna mend with, how we're gonna do things differently. And that's yeah. like the, the the phrase that's used, like what, I, like what I'm gonna change next year, how yeah. I'm gonna do it next year. And it's <laughs> like, this year hasn't even started. You know? Know, right? you know, it's like, you're you're looking into what, what didn't work um what approaches what uh fellow colleagues have told me that worked for them that you know i had troubles and i'm going to now listen to my colleague and and try to approach um that um that fundamental um skill and uh you know i've i've also had like anger issues and like i've never been able to properly you know you've got a career but then that career only gets you so far of like your mindset, right? Yeah. And but if you have something actually you're passionate about, and for me and for Tiffany, it's always it's been gardening. It's okay. been like getting getting my hands dirty and just being able to enjoy it. Because yeah. like the moments that people don't really uh, that don't really get acknowledged enough is when I'm outside, you know, you know, um, eating strawberries, you know, eating um, cherry tomatoes like a Pez dispenser, <laughs> yeah. smashing them back. Like a so yeah, I like that. <laughs> and and then I get to like you know butterflies come in and the like bees, bees and like yeah, you get these like, you get these moments of nature. Slow down. Yeah, 
and I, I feel like our, 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 our society is so fast paced into the moment and like, or sorry, uh, every moment is like moving on to the next, like getting groceries, cleaning the house, you've got all these tasks and, um, taking that moment of self-reflection is, is changed me, changed the way I've approached, um, uh, life. You know, there's something about getting into a garden. There's something about like physiologically, actually bare feet on grass Mm -hmm. in soil. There's like the electromagnetic fields and stuff that's really good for our bodies. But that, that, that aside, but there's something about the color green. There's something about once the dirt gets under your fingernails, I hate it when it first gets in there, but once it's packed in, it's all good. It's all good. But there's something about that that is really, for lack of a better word, grounding for us. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's almost sometimes like I think we're always in search for that Eden in a sense. Um, The other thing is um, gardens teach us some really important characteristics like like deep soul characteristics like patience yes mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes, know and, <laughs> and too like when something doesn't work this year mm-hmm. we have to wait an entire season or even like this, this has been such a slow spring for yeah. us mm-hmm. in 2022 really it's like okay i'm gonna get out there and it's it's been 10, 10 days of plus 10 Celsius. It'll be good for the pollinators. Now I can yeah. clean my garden and then boom, we get another snow and it's like, Oh my goodness. Or, Oh, when is that ever going to come out of the ground? So there's um, things as far as patience and watching the development of a plant and seeing that, seeing that tomato, but now it's green yeah. and waiting for it to turn mm-hmm. red. But then it's like, the glory of that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I was reflecting on last spring is um, I really love peonies and well, I spe- especially yeah. the fragrant ones. So then here we like, I'm waiting and I see my peonies growing and then the buds and then, you know, you can, you can pick them when they, the buds feel like a marshmallow and I can have some in my house, but I have so many peonies. I can still leave them <laughs> on the, I can still leave them in the garden. And then it was like the last bloom that had come open yeah. and I was like wow like we've had this flush of peonies and this peony plant has been working all year for its moment of glory yeah. and it's had like two weeks three weeks of its moment of glory and then it's going to go back to its usual you know not you know it's it's humble life doing what it does and then it's working towards another year. Mm-hmm. But I just look at like how long it takes a peony to produce that that blossom. Mm-hmm. And but it just goes back and it does its thing. And I'm like, oh man, like so when we think like those days of, you know, just our humdrum, what we do, and we just do it, and you just keep faithful and you keep faithful. And then you have that those moments where it's like, oh, this is like the best moment ever. And then yeah, we do have that best moment ever. And then we go back mm-hmm. to our usual life. And I'm like, oh, like you see that yeah. in the garden, you yeah. see that in life. And that part encourages me to just stick keep with going. it. Mm-hmm. Keep writing, keep creating that, yes. you know, keep writing those blogs, mm-hmm. keep writing this because there's moments where it really will benefit 
someone, you know, sure. it'll be a yeah. cool, you'll have that, those cool moments. And then to be able to recognize when you're having those amazing moments. For sure. Um, before gardening, before getting into this, before moving into the acreage, um, not realizing it, um, there's a sense of instant gratification when you go to a grocery store, right? Yeah. You, you go grab tomatoes, you go yeah, on the produce, you, yeah. you get whatever you need, you pay for it, obviously. It, it takes, you know, paying for those groceries is also, if you look at it, that's a paycheck that you have to make to yeah. be able to do that. And there's a there's a sense to that, but that that instant gratification, you don't get that with growing a garden. Like you have, like you said it so well earlier, patience yeah like you have to work for it you yeah. have to you have to plant the seed you have to nurture the seed you have to see that little thing grow you have to then put it in the bigger pot then you have to you know if you have it indoors yeah. then you have to maybe uh you know let it uh harden. get climatized yeah. and harden like there's there's a nurturing aspect mm -hmm. and it's um just to get that tomato. just to get that tomato <laughs> and i know that sounds like hard work and diligence but really um that's what you are paying for when you go to the grocery store. You just don't, see, you just don't see it. You yeah. don't see the person's time or the picker or the, mm -hmm. the company that's put all that effort into it. You just see the dollar signs mm -hmm. behind it. Yeah. And now um, I find myself learning to do it myself. And then on top of this compounded interest to that is that I know, and I'm bragging like crazy, mm -hmm. that my food is more nutrient dense than what's in the grocery store. I know I know that just by tasting it. Oh yeah, yeah. So. And that being said, like um, it's recommended that we eat within 50 miles of what we eat produce within 50 miles of where we live. Mm -hmm. right. Because the things that grow locally are the things that nurture us best. Like, um, Saskatoons, like really, yes. really deep in beta, beta carotenes. The same thing with raspberries, like those yeah. deep, deep, dark fruits that grow, like are so good for our North American bodies. Mm -hmm. And then what's grown in your area is best for your body. Right. Period. Yeah. And it tastes better. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, yeah, I was like, on that note, we'll end it there. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will definitely do this again. It was awesome. Yeah. It was a pleasure. With you. It's always a pleasure to be with you, too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Canadian Growers. If you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and review.